Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Revelation. Tonight is study number 10 of Revelation chapter 13. We're going to be reading verses 6 and 7. And he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. I'll stop reading there. We saw in our last study that this is referring to the beast and God has given him power to speak great things and blasphemies. It is all according to the will of God in loosing Satan to bring these end time events to pass in order to fulfill the word of God. Just think of it this way. God in his perfect word, has recorded that at the time of the end, there must come a falling away. He has said that judgment must begin at the house of God. He has said that the abomination of desolation must stand in the holy place. He has said that he will give mankind up to some of the most vile sins imaginable. He, he has said all kinds of things in many scriptures. And ought not the scriptures to be fulfilled? Yes, they must be fulfilled. It is necessary. It is without any question that they must be fulfilled. All scripture must be fulfilled. There cannot be things that are said and, and left undone. And and God has said all these things. We have the whole book of Jeremiah to teach us that it was God's plan to bring judgment and wrath on the church. And there's just incredible amounts of information that reveal God's end time plan for the great tribulation and for the judgment of the world. And so since they must be fulfilled... And we have seen that much of it has already been fulfilled and the rest is currently being fulfilled. Then why are we troubled? Why are we cast down being God's people and knowing that his will must be done and that his word must be fulfilled? Well, we, we shouldn't be cast down. We should be actually thanking him for bringing these things to pass, things that have been written about for thousands of years in some cases. We can go back to the Old Testament and find writings that go back 2,500 or 3,000 years. Or we can read the New Testament and things that have been written almost 2,000 years ago and have been there in place in the Word of God for centuries and millennium and God's people have wondered about them and they never came to pass. A generation came and generation went and they never saw 
the falling away. At times when things got bad, they may have wondered, is, is this the end time church? But no, it never quite got as bad to a degree as we read of in the Bible. And it's only now, in the last couple of decades, that things have deteriorated and have gotten to the point where we know without question, absolutely no doubt, that the things that God wrote about have been fulfilled. That the man of sin uh, has taken his seat in the temple and there was the falling away first and and God did begin the judgment at the house of God. And all these things, so many things, that we have this wonderful knowledge in this time, these days that we're presently living in. And so we know it all had to happen according to the plan of God, and that gives us some comfort. It It is not an easy thing. It's a difficult thing. It's extremely trying times to live in a world that has no concern, no love for the truth, and and is going further and further away from basic morality on many points. And for the child of God who has that Holy Spirit, that Spirit of God that desires to do perfectly the will of God, it is very sorrowful. And the Bible does tell us increased knowledge brings increased sorrow, we read in Ecclesiastes chapter 1. And and so that's natural. It's normal for us uh, as we gain knowledge, as, as we learn things related to time and judgment, to have increased sorrow concerning the world we live in and, and our own uh, neighborhood and our own uh, family. And as we see these things, um, working out in the lives of people we may even love and it is very sorrowful but on but on the other hand it is a strong witness to us that eternity future is right at the very door that we're we're not far away at all that we have progressed even beyond the great tribulation into the day of judgment so time, as far as this world continued existence is concerned, is extremely short. There is not much more to be fulfilled. And that's one of the reasons why we're very encouraged concerning the 10,000 days of overall judgment. 8,400 days of great tribulation where judgment was exclusively upon the church. And then... 1,600 days of judgment on the world forming, coming together, 10,000 total days of judgment. And the number 10 in the Bible points to completeness. And 10,000 is 10 times 10 times 10 times 10. Of The number 4 is in view as 10 times 10, 4 times to the 4th power, and we come at, come to 10,000 days of judgment. And the number 10 points to the completeness of whatever is in view. And with four, 
also in that number, it would point to universal completeness or worldwide completeness of the judgment of God. And if God completes the judgment, he completes all things that he has prophesied of. He completes, he fulfills all scripture and everything is finally brought to pass. And that's exactly what we're looking for. We know we've progressed within God's end time program to the very edge of it. And we're looking for the completeness for God to finish it. And, and that's why 10,000, one of the reasons why 10,000 days is a good likelihood that this is uh, what God will do. Well, again in verse 6, he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle on them that dwell in heaven. And, you know, when it says he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name, it's sort of doubling that. God and his name, uh, you, you can't separate. And likewise, it says, and blaspheming against his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven. They're also one and the same. As the tabernacle is where God's ark was housed in um, the wilderness and for a time in Shiloh when uh, Israel finally came into the promised land. But it points to the same thing the house of God, the temple pointed to, which is the body of believers. And so Satan speaks evil of God, and he speaks evil of the people of God. The the true believers are his real target, but in order to get them, he, he will come against all who profess to be Christian. And that's why he came against the church. That's where the true believers were found. And, of course, God in his wisdom, took care of that by calling his people out of the church and leaving the church to Satan and and all that were given over to Satan, all the unsaved. Also, uh, blaspheming against his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven. Now, the Bible tells us that when we become saved, we're seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And our citizenship is then said to be in heaven. We're still on the earth, but we've become a stranger, a sojourner just passing through. Our real home is in heaven, and we dwell in heaven in Christ. And so Satan, again, especially with that statement, we can see that the object of his anger are the elect people of God. Okay, let's go on to verse 7 of Revelation 13. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. Well, it's given to Satan, to the beast, to make war with the saints and overcome. Notice this word given. We keep seeing it. Back in um, verse 5, And there was given unto him a mouth, speaking great things and blasphemies. And power was given unto him to continue forty and two months. And now it's given unto him to make war with the saints. He's not doing this. 
There was no way he could have done this. It is not based on his own power, but it is God that has brought these things to pass. Well, um, let, let's take a closer look at verse 7. It was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And to overcome means to win, to be victorious. And uh, just so we're clear, let's look at saints, uh, a few verses that define who the saints are. Romans 1, verse 7 says, To all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And also in Romans, in chapter 8, it says in verse 27, And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. The saints are those that God has saved. They are made holy by God's act of salvation and uh, washing away their sin. And uh, the word saint and holy are very closely related. And and so these people, these elect um, who have become saved, are said to be saints. We read in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. In 1 Corinthians 6, it says, um, I'll start in verse 1. Dare any of you, having a matter against another, go to law before the unjust, and not before the saints? Do ye not know that the saints shall judge the world? And if the world shall be judged by you, are ye unworthy to judge the smallest matters? To hear God is speaking to the Corinthian believers, and and he's saying, why do you go to your local courthouse and go to law when it's brother against brother, and you go to law before the unjust, those that are not true believers, rather than before the saints, before other brethren. And then the Apostle Paul, writing under inspiration of God, gives the example of the saints judging the world, which is, of course, the biggest judgment that could be made. And uh, no matter what the problem is in comparison, it's a small thing. And so since the saints are going to judge the world, since you are going to judge the world, then why are you unable to make these smaller decisions? And, and that tells us that the saints are true believers and also the saints will judge the world. And that's the reason that we find a few verses that speak of Christ coming in judgment and all the saints with him or ten thousands of his saints. It, it is God the Lord Jesus as the judge and all of the saints. And this is exactly what's happening today. God is judging the world with all of his saints because the primary means of God's wrath is the fact that he shut the door of heaven. And he was able to shut the door of heaven by saving 
the last one of the elect, by saving, therefore, all of the elect. And since all of the elect, since everyone whose name was recorded in the Lamb's Book of Life was found and saved, there, there remains no more names to be found, no more people to become saved. This permitted God to bring the judgment upon the world of shutting the door, of of turning off the gospel light and so forth. And, and so he is judging the world and all the saints with him as he is using the fact that he has saved all the elect as an instrument like um, battle axe or a weapon of war in his hand to come down uh, upon all the unsaved and to break them in pieces with his rod of iron. All right, well, let, let's just think of one thing here because we read of a war in the Bible and God doesn't spell it out for us. We have to be able to uh, look at the context and determine now which war is in view because there's the war that God began against the churches and the war in which God signed up Satan by loosing him and made him his servant to accomplish the Lord's purpose of destroying the church. And in that war, we read, as we're looking at Revelation thirteen seven, that it was given unto him, the beast, to make war with the saints and to overcome them. That war, Satan wins. This is the same war that Revelation 11, verse 7, is speaking of. And when they shall finish their testimony, the beast that ascendeth out of the bottomless pit shall make war against them and shall overcome them and kill them. And again, the the beginning of the Great Tribulation, the end of the church age, the beginning point of the judgment on the churches and congregations of the world. God is making war against them. God is using Satan uh, to fulfill his will. And Satan wins. He overcomes. He kills them. Uh, he and, and we can find other verses to confirm this. But on the other hand, on the other hand, in Revelation 17, for instance, it says, These, and if we would read the previous verses, we would see that the beast is also in view, the seven heads and our seven kings and so forth. These shall make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb shall overcome them, for he is Lord of lords and King of kings. And they that are with him are called and chosen and faithful. Well, now, this is something else. This is something different. God is not making war with Satan at the beginning of the Great Tribulation. He's not making war with him when he looses him. No, at that point, God is using Satan. And Satan wins. But at the end of the Great Tribulation... Then God turns his attention to the devil and he holds him accountable and Satan is responsible for lifting up his hand against God's anointed for coming against the church. And then God 
brings judgment on Satan. Just as for 70 years, God, through his prophets, Jeremiah and others, told the people of Judah, go into captivity, go serve the king of Babylon in Babylon. And and you must, because no one can remain in the land. And and for that 70-year period, who won? The king of Babylon won. The Babylonians won. And that was according to the will of God, just as it was given to the beast to war with the saints and to overcome them. But at the end of the 70 years, in the year 539 B.C., the Lord raised up the Medes and the Persians, who had King Darius, also known as Cyrus, as their king. And he came against Babylon in the middle of the night, and he killed the king of Babylon and took the kingdom in that same night. And and then who won? Well, Cyrus who is called God's anointed. He is called his shepherd. Cyrus was the victor. And that points to the battle of Judgment Day. And in Judgment Day, which was May 21, 2011, it was the Lord Jesus Christ that overcame. It was Christ that won. And it was Satan and his kingdom, Babylon, that was defeated. And it's very important to to keep that in mind when we're reading of war or battles or fighting this spiritual warfare. Well, first of all, we could even go to an earlier skirmish or battle at the cross when Satan lost and the Lord Jesus won. Then Satan is loosed and he wins the war against the saints. He overcomes them. And then finally comes the end of the Great Tribulation, and Christ is the final victorious one. He triumphs. He overcomes against Satan and his kingdom, against all the heads of the beast. He he destroys them all. Um, In Revelation 19, it says in verse 11, And I saw heaven open, and behold a white horse, And he that sat upon him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he does judge and make war. And again, this is the war of judgment day. This is the war that God wins. And in verse 19 of Revelation 19, I saw the beast and the kings of the earth, and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army, And the beast was taken, and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him, with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast, and them that worshipped his image. These both were cast alive into a lake of fire burning with brimstone. Here we have the beast and, and the kings of the earth and their armies making war against him that sat on the horse, and that's the Lord Jesus upon the white horse, and against his army, the 200 million, all that, that uh, could be the number of all that God saved, or they, they certainly represent all that God saved. We get that number from Revelation chapter 9. And who wins this war? 
the Lord Jesus, the he that sat upon the horse, and his saints that are also on horseback. The beast is taken. The beast is cast into a lake of fire. Therefore, we can know, and we can know this for sure, whenever we're reading something in the Bible, in the book of Daniel or Jeremiah or Revelation or or wherever, and the beast, Satan, wins against the saints, or he wins against Judah, that it is typifying the judgment on the church, because God gave that to him. But if we read that Satan himself is defeated, that is Judgment Day, May 21, 2011, and all the days thereafter, when Christ is exalted, and he is supreme, he has overcome. Now this, of course, goes flatly against what some people say happened on May 21, 2011. They say, oh, that the the believers were killed. They say, and, and who would have killed the believers? Satan. They say that our our testimony is finished. They they misapply what Revelation eleven seven concerning the two witnesses has to say, as God is speaking of the beginning of the end of the church age and the great tribulation period, the judgment on the congregations, and they try to apply it to judgment day, and it's all wrong. It, it, there's nothing right about it. It's nowhere near the truth that that the believers were defeated. Notice in Revelation 19, Christ on horseback and his army on horseback are both victorious. And it is the beast and his army that is cast into the lake of fire. May 21, 2011 was not a day of defeat for God and his people and his kingdom. But it was the greatest day of victory imaginable. It was a day of tremendous triumph that really we should be thanking God more and more as we go on in this time. We, As we're learning more, we just find more occasion to glorify him and to thank him for uh, completing his tremendous and wonderful salvation plan and for bringing his wrath upon the beast. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.